In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as we heard in today's Gospel, John the Baptist was born nine months later after he was first announced uh, by the angel Gabriel to Zechariah while he was serving as a priest in the temple. And I think to understand fully Zechariah's reaction in this Gospel passage that we read, we should recap a little bit to the first week of Subara, the first week of Advent, and just examine what Zechariah was dealing with, what he was feeling, what he was trying to process with this message that came to him from the angel Gabriel. As we all know, he doubted the message. And I think if you look even deeper, fear was set upon his heart. It was not only doubt, but also a certain kind of fear. And this doubt and this fear I don't think we can say it was directed against God in a malicious way as if God was placing some burden on him and his wife Elizabeth that they couldn't handle. I think this sort of doubt and this sort of fear that was set upon Zechariah's heart occurs when we face something that's outside of our control. When we're in a position where it's difficult to find hope when we're facing something that seems impossible. When we're not in control. When we're not the author of the narrative. And I think that speaks to our tendency, going back all the way to Adam and Eve, who committed the original sin. I think that speaks to our tendency to want to make ourselves our own gods, to place something in our midst that's easier to control. Because of his doubt, Zechariah was silenced for the term of the pregnancy for nine months. And now he has, he's put in a position where he has something to think about. He has a question to ask himself. He has something to reflect on. How how can I, now that I'm silenced, understand God's will so that I can cooperate with it, so that I can react to it correctly? So how does he react? We see it in this gospel that we just heard today. And I think there's two main things to look at. For one thing, He cooperates with God's will very directly when he makes it known that the name of his son will be John and not Zechariah as his neighbors and kinsfolk were recommending. And the second thing we can look at is Zechariah's Benedictus, this prayer that I just read when I read in English where he starts giving thanksgiving and praise to God in a very elegant way, in a very deep and significant way. So his name is John. Zechariah was first in doubt, but now he confirms the message of God. He confirms what Gabriel had told him. He confirms that God is the author of the narrative. He confirms that salvation history is now occurring through his family. He confirms that even though he might not be in control, God is at work and God can perform something greater than our minds can imagine. That is what Zechariah confirms by saying that his name is John. He's not just writing that down so that his mouth can finally be opened and he can finally speak again. During these nine months, you can bet he was thinking. You can bet he was reflecting. You can bet his prayer life was still going strong. Just because he was silent doesn't mean his relationship with with God was cut off. On the contrary, it was strengthened. And it was strengthened so much that he was able to produce this prayer the Benedictus, which in the Roman Catholic uh, divine office, they pray every single morning. Brothers and sisters, in our divine office, every single morning, in our 
uh, daily uh, morning prayer, we always pray the penitential psalm, Psalm 51. And one of the lines in that psalm is, Lord, open my lips, my mouth shall speak forth your praise. And this is exactly what happens with Zechariah. A penitential psalm means you're reflecting on yourself. You're moving towards repentance. You know that you've fallen short in front of God, maybe because of doubt, maybe because of willful ignorance, but you're on the way to repentance. You're on the way to correcting the relationship that you have with God. Lord, open my lips, my mouth shall speak forth your praise. This is exactly what happens with Zechariah. These nine months were a time of self-examination. These nine months were a time of reflection on how God deals with humanity. When his lips are opened, it's because he's firmly believed now in what Gabriel has said. So he speaks forth praise for the Lord. His words, obviously, when you look at what he says, when you look at the, times, the, the periods of history that he notes, the periods of salvation history that he expresses thanksgiving for, you know that this is someone who's meditated on scripture. You know that this is someone who has meditated on salvation history, on how much man needs to be saved, on how far man has gone from God, and how this promise of salvation is now being fulfilled, first with the birth of his son, and then eventually with the birth of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we need to ask ourselves when we see someone like Zechariah reacting in this way, we need to ask ourselves, are our thoughts like Zechariah's thoughts? Do we look for periods of silence, not nine months, but do we look for periods of silence to reflect on salvation history, to become more intimate with scripture, to understand what ought to be the relationship between God and man, to understand how serious sin is and how wonderful God is for becoming part of his creation so that he offers it the chance to not destroy itself. Do we set time apart in silence to reflect on these things? What occupies our thoughts instead? Many of us know that during this Christmas season, it's very easy to get occupied with the purchasing of material things, the arranging for the ga'dahs and the, the gatherings and all that kind of stuff. When instead, when we're approaching the birth of Christ, we should be meditating on things that are far more significant. None of those things are evil. None of those things are necessarily sinful. Those are all great things. Those are all opportunities to gather the family and, and to have good times. But look at what is happening in the context of salvation history. Look, how, look at how seriously Zechariah is taking it. If we're to follow his example, because Scripture is not just a story that's written down to talk about for fun for a few minutes every Sunday and then go back to our lives. It is the living word of God, which means we're supposed to take something from it every time that we reflect on it. So if we're to follow his example, we must also become familiar with salvation history. We must become familiar with what we're meant to do as mankind, how we're supposed to live in relation to God and each other. And this takes work. This takes work. You have to set some time aside but not just because it's an intellectual exercise. It takes work because it takes the softening of our hearts to receive God's love. It takes the transformation of our hearts. And if we're going to learn something particular from Zechariah, something unique from Zechariah, this needs to be done in silence. 
It needs to be done away from the noise of the world that often leads to sin. And sin, which often leads to death, because it separates us from the life of God. So brothers and sisters, as we approach the nativity of our Lord, let us examine our hearts, that our hearts may become soft enough to embrace the will of God, especially when we don't feel in control of things. And as we approach the Eucharist today, let us make time for silent reflection to appreciate how God is the author of history, how God in his compassion has constantly, constantly given himself to men and women who turn away from him, most especially in the loving sacrifice of his beloved son on the cross. Amen.